Welcome to Peace by Believing with John Redmond, Associate Pastor of First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas. The 12 books in the Left Behind series have collectively sold over 80 million copies and have inspired three motion pictures. To say that there is some interest in the end times is an understatement. But who gets left behind? And who does not? Today, John answers those questions as he continues his series on the book of Revelation with the second part of his message, the rapture of the church. Now, you say, John, this thing about the rapture of the church, are you sure just maybe not everybody's going to, wouldn't it just be better if everybody got to go up and people weren't left behind? Well, whether it'd be better or not, it's for you to decide, but that's not how it's going to happen. The only people that will be caught up are the people who have been saved. Let me use this illustration to help you determine whether you're going to be caught up. If I were to take several minerals today and just pour them out on this platform, some gold, some uh, silver, some copper, some zinc, some iron, just little fragments of these pieces and just kind of scatter it around and mix it all up on this stage up here today on this platform. And then I had some kind of 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 a magnet some kind of a metal detector, magnet detector, and I I put that magnet over all those different particles. Here's the question. Which particles would rise? Well, of the ones I mentioned, the only particles that would rise would be the particles made of iron because the iron is the only thing that has the same nature as the magnet. You run a magnet over iron, the iron rises. It has the same nature as the magnet. It's the same at the rapture of the church. Those who are going to rise on that day are those who have the nature of Jesus Christ living in them. In other words, when Jesus leaves heaven and comes to the air, if we're going to rise, we have to have His nature living in us. That's that's a good way to determine whether or not you're saved. Do you have the nature of Jesus Christ living in you? Have you been saved? Have you been forgiven? Do you hate the sin you used to love and love the things that you used to hate? And so if we have that nature, we'll be caught up And we will be with the Lord forever, just like that iron would meet that magnet. Now, here's a good question. Why why is there going to be a rapture? Why not just forego letter A of the second coming and just let Christians go through the tribulation and then at the end, uh, they'll be coming back? Well, first of all, by doing it the way he has done it, God has shown a tremendous amount of grace to his children because the Scripture is clear in my understanding of Scripture, that Christian people will not go through the tribulation. And there are several verses I could show you, but in chapter number 3, I want you to look in verse number 10, because this is one reference here where Jesus is talking to Christians, and he's also referring to the future tribulation period. And notice what he says, "...because you have kept my command to persevere." I also will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. And so Jesus is saying that he's going to keep us from the trial. He's going to keep us from the tribulation. And that another place Paul said that we have been spared from the wrath 
that is to come on this earth. And so God has designed the rapture to get us out of here before the tribulation period begins, which leads us to another interesting question. And we're going to get into this about three weeks from today when we start the period of, uh, of tribulation in our study. What is the purpose of the great tribulation? And let me just say now, the purpose of the great tribulation is not to see how much Christians can take. You know, sometimes we feel like God is testing us or trying us, and He is doing those things. But the, tribu- the nature of the tribulation is not to put us through a test to see how much we can take. The purpose of the tribulation is to give unsaved people a final chance to get saved before the world completely comes to an end. And so that's the purpose of it, and that helps us understand why the rapture would be here, because the rapture is going to get us out of here. Now, as I was working on this sermon last week, especially yesterday, and I was thinking about all the people who would be in both of the morning services today, I'm very much aware that most of the people, maybe 90%, maybe more than that, listening to this sermon today, are already saved. And if, you, if the rapture happened today, you've got the nature of Jesus living in you, you're going to rise up and meet Jesus in the air, and I would too. But I fully believe that there are people in both services today and others listening to this who have never been saved, they've never made peace with God, and if the rapture took place today, they would be left behind and to experience agony like unto which the world has never known. And so as I come to the end of my thoughts today, I want to just say a couple of things to those of you here today who are unsaved. And maybe you don't even believe in Jesus at all. Or maybe you do believe in Jesus and you believe in the Bible, but there's never been a time in your life when you have personally received Jesus Christ to be your Lord and to be your Savior. And so it's to, it's to those of you in that group today that I want to draw your attention to something. First of all, now go back to Revelation chapter 4. I want to draw your attention today to the fact that as we are gathered here in this worship center today, in heaven there is an open door. Now look again in verse 1. John said, after these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. That says to me that heaven has a door to it, at least one door, and there's only one door to heaven, and that door is open today. So that is, that's good news, and that says today that anybody who wants to be saved can be saved. Anybody who wants to be caught up in the rapture can be caught up in the rapture. The door to heaven is an open door. Second thing I would draw your attention to today, and you may never have thought about it like, quite like this, but it's true. And that is God is offering you or extending to you a personal invitation to come to that door And to walk through that door, Jesus is the door, and you can go into heaven. Again, in verse 1, it says, And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, Come up here, and I will show you things which must take place. And so John was invited into heaven. He was invited to walk through that door. And that same invitation today is being extended to everybody listening to this message. Jesus, you know one of Jesus' favorite words, come He said, come to me, all you labor 
and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus said another place, the person who comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. At the end of the book of Revelation, we read this invitation, come to Jesus, come to Jesus, come to Jesus. Why do we give an invitation at the end of our services? To give people an opportunity to come to Jesus. You're not joining a church. You're not joining a denomination. You're not signing off on some creed. You're not signing up. No, when, when you come to get saved, you are coming to a person. Friends, salvation is not found in a church. Salvation is not found in a creed. Salvation is found in Jesus Christ. It is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It is His nature living in us that changes us and that puts us in position to be caught up to rise when that trumpet sounds and when the rapture of the church takes place. So I'm saying to you today, God is offering to you through His Word and right now through me an invitation to come to Jesus. Here's the question. Have you ever been to Jesus? Not have you joined a church or even been baptized. Not, not have you been to the confession booth or confessed your sins to some other minister. But have you ever been to Jesus Christ? Salvation is found in Jesus and in Him alone. The Bible says there's no other name given amongst men whereby we must be saved. Salvation is in Jesus Christ. And if you will come to Him, you can be saved. I'm saying to you today, you have a personal invitation from God and a promise with that invitation that if you will come to him, he will save you. What am I saying? I'm saying the door to heaven is open. I'm saying you have an invitation from Jesus to come and to be saved. But I'm also saying today that there's a limited amount of time for you to answer and respond to that invitation. I think it's so easy to think, well, not today. I'll maybe think about that. Man, this is my first time to even visit this church. And you're talking to me about making a decision for Jesus Christ? Yes, I am. Because you have no promise that you'll have another day like this. This may be the last sermon you ever hear. This may be the last sermon I ever preach. And so for you today would be the time for you to come to Jesus Christ because the door will not be open forever. Jesus told a parable in Matthew chapter 25, and it's a very picturesque parable, and he talked about a group of people who had postponed getting right with God, who has postponed being saved. And one day Jesus described it like, like this. Basically, Jesus was saying they came to the door of heaven because finally they decided they wanted to go into heaven. But when they got to the door, they found that the door was shut and they began to knock on that door and they began to beat on that door. And they said, Lord, please open the door for us. And God said, Depart from me, I never knew you. What was God saying? God was saying it was, it's too late. That door was open for a long time. That door's been open all your life. You had ample invitation, ample opportunities to walk through that door. You put it off, you put it off, you put it off, and now the door is shut, and now it is too late for you to walk through. And so to those of you here today who would say, John, this thing's not comforting to me. This thing's frightening to me. Thinking about an event where I could be driving down Interstate 45 to work and a bunch of cars just become unmanned and they're just rolling along that way. Some of you are thinking 45 is frightening enough if there are drivers in all those cars. But imagine it where there are no drivers in those cars. Well, if you're not saved, it's not comforting. It is frightening. And I totally understand that. And God understands that. But God doesn't want you to be afraid. God wants you to be ready. And God doesn't want you to put it off and try to get ready. God wants you to be ready now. So when the time comes that you will be ready. Now, you still listen? Say amen. I told you a few weeks ago that one of the books I'm reading in preparing these sermons is a book called The Book of Signs. 
from a man named David Jeremiah, a great pastor in San Diego, California. And in the book, he tells a story how back in 2005, the city leaders got together and they said, we've got to come up with some kind of plan to help the people living in San Diego if there's a wildfire, because they have lots of fires in California. And so they came up with something that was probably pretty cutting edge back in 2005. They came up with a thing called reverse 911. Now, we all know what 911 is. If you're home and you have an emergency, pick up the phone, call 911, and somebody helps you. You're in trouble, and you call for help, and you get help. Reverse 911 says, we need to have a plan in place so if there's a fire in the general vicinity of where people live, we don't wait for the people to call us. We call the people because they may not even know there's a fire. And we tell them there's a fire three miles, five miles, ten miles from your house. And we think it would be wise for you to evacuate because that fire is headed in your direction. And so they put that in, play, in place. In 2007, San Diego had a massive, massive fire. Thousands of homes were lost. Many lost their lives. And it's interesting, when the reverse 911, after the plan had been put in place two years earlier, now it goes into effect. It's interesting what happened to the residents of San Diego. First of all, there were many residents who had never registered for reverse 911. They never got a call. They never heard a call because they never had registered. There were other people who received a call, but they looked at their phone and they didn't recognize the number. And since they didn't recognize the number, they didn't answer the call. There were other people who got the call, answered the call, were told to evacuate, but made a decision not to evacuate. They said, you know, that fire, it's, our neighborhood's never had any fire. It's never gotten this far. We're too... There's no way that fire could get to us. And those who got the call and refused to evacuate lost their lives. As I was thinking about that story and thinking about the rapture of the church, I think we could say it this way. What God is doing today through this sermon is He is issuing a reverse 911 call. What God is saying is there's a fire coming to this earth. This earth is going to go through things that has, has never happened before and could never happen again because after it happens, the earth, as you know, it will be gone. It will be completely destroyed. But what Jesus is saying is, before the fire falls, before that happens, prepare yourself to evacuate. Prepare yourself so that when the trumpet sounds, you can be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. You know, as I think about what Paul said in 1 Thessalonians when he described the shout, the voice of the archangel, and the trumpet of God, I think the most in intriguing of that trilogy of sounds to me is the shout. Because in that verse it says, the Lord himself will descend with a shout. Now you go home today if you want to do something interesting. And take your Bible books off the shelf if you have some or look it up online. And try to determine whose shout is that. The voice of the archangel, that would most likely be Michael. He's the only archangel mentioned in the Bible. The trumpet of God, we understand that. But when it says the Lord himself will descend with a shout, whose shout is it? Most Bible scholars, maybe not all, 
most Bible scholars say that shout is coming from Jesus Christ himself. And I'm in that group. I believe that. Remember, Jesus is the one who went to Lazarus' tomb and he called Lazarus' name. He said, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus, who had the nature of Jesus in him, when Lazarus heard that voice, he came out of that grave. Somebody has said, had Jesus not called Lazarus by name, the whole cemetery would have come up out of the grave like that. But he called Lazarus' name to specify it was for him. I believe when it says the Lord himself will descend with a shout, that's talking about the voice of Jesus himself. And as I was thinking about that yesterday, I thought, you know, here's the bottom line. The people who will recognize the voice of Jesus at the rapture of the church are the people who have recognized the voice of Jesus down here on earth. What did Jesus say in John chapter 10? He said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. What I'm saying today is this. If you are one of those who is able to hear the voice of Jesus. If you know when God speaks, you recognize the voice of Jesus. On that day, when that trumpet sounds, when, when Michael the archangel makes a sound, and when Jesus himself speaks the word, you're going to recognize that voice because it's a voice you've known ever since you got saved. It's the voice of Jesus Christ, the one who's living in your heart. Remember this, if his nature is in you, When he gives that shout, you're going to rise to meet him because you have his nature. And just like iron coming up to meet a magnet, you're going to rise to meet Jesus in the air. And that's why Paul said, comfort one another with these words. Amen. With our heads bowed and eyes closed today, those of us who are saved, this is something we wish would happen today. I wish it would have happened yesterday or last week or 10 years ago. I mean, I just wish it would. I wish I was already in heaven. And yet, I know there's a reason that I'm not there yet because there's work to do on the earth and it's the same for you. And yet, the thought of Jesus coming back, that doesn't frighten me. It used to frighten me, but not now. It comforts me and excites me and it makes me think, God, you, come, you could come today and every problem we have would be gone just like that and we would be with you forever. But for those here today who would say, John, I'm I'm not quite that comforted. I'm a little more frightened by that. I'm intimidated by that. I'm I'm, I'm not ready for that. I've not registered for that. I've not made plans for evacuation. Friend, today you need to make those plans. You need to receive Christ. You need to do it now while the door to heaven is open. And if you'll pray this prayer, God will hear it and answer it. What did Jesus say? The person who comes to me, I'll never cast out. I'll receive you. I'll forgive you. I'll save you. Today can be your day. Pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive my sins and make me a Christian. I ask you to save me. And I trust you to do it. I trust you, Lord. Welcome to my heart. Begin now to make me the person you want me to be. Give me the courage during this next song, even though I know it'll be hard, give me the courage to come down one of these aisles to share this with a minister so I will have confessed you openly and publicly before men. And Lord, this is our prayer in Jesus' name. And all the people said, 
Amen. We hope that today's message has been a blessing to you. And today, we have an extra special treat. John has joined us in the studio. Welcome, John. Well, thanks, Rick. It's good to be in the studio. And, you know, as we ended today's program praying that prayer of salvation, it may be today that you prayed and ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart to be your Lord and to be your Savior. And if you did, I want to say congratulations. Uh, God has heard that prayer. The Bible says, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so today has become your day of salvation. And that's a special day. I would encourage you to share that decision with a friend, maybe a pastor or or just somebody, and get involved in a good church in the area where you live that, that teaches the Bible, that lifts up Jesus, and just begin to take the next steps in your relationship with God. But the first thing I wanted to say to you today who might have prayed that prayer is congratulations. And the real reason I'm in the studio today is because as we think about the rapture of the church and how there's coming a day when suddenly, unexpectedly, there's going to be a shout from heaven, there's going to be the voice of an archangel, and then the trumpet of God is going to sound, and all of us who are saved are going to be caught up to meet God in the air, and yet after we're gone on this earth, there's going to be complete chaos because there'll be no Christians on the earth. Millions of people will disappear all of a sudden. And I know some people read that part of the scripture and or maybe they hear a sermon on the rapture. Maybe they've seen a video clip on it and they just think, man, that just sounds, that sounds out there. That just sounds too far out there to even be true. Well, it is out there, but friend, it's true because the Bible says that day is that day's coming. And as I think about the, the urgency of our preparing ourselves for that day, certainly it begins by making sure that we're saved, by knowing for sure that Jesus Christ is living in our hearts. And I hope that by this point in the program that we're all certain about that. But I would also encourage you today to take seriously your God-given responsibility to share Jesus Christ with somebody else. I know that I could do personally a better job and and I get convicted about this sometimes that that I should do uh, more, share my faith more, tell more people about Jesus, and not in a pushy way, not not trying to beat people over the head with the Bible, but just in a natural way, to to say something to somebody else about the Lord, and to ask them, has there ever been a time in their life where they have asked Jesus Christ to come into their heart? And you know, I find when I share Christ with others, if I'm real honest with them and just tell them my own story that it seems to tear down a barrier maybe or help them feel more comfortable. Sometimes I'll just say, you know, there was a time in my life for many years when I didn't have the full assurance of my own salvation. And then years ago, I finally got that settled. It's just changed my life because now I know that whenever I die or if the Lord comes first, I just know that when my time comes, I'm going to go immediately to heaven to be with God. And sometimes when a person can just hear something like that, they're like, okay, so you've struggled, you've wondered, you've questioned, and if you've been through that, then maybe I can. And then you can just lead that person uh, to pray and ask Jesus to come into their heart. I I just believe with all my heart there is a hunger and an urgency uh, in people's heart to make peace with God and to know for sure that they're saved. I can remember, Rick, just a few weeks ago in one of our morning services, I preached the sermon, we gave the invitation, and at the very end of the invitation, a man came walking down from the upper level, and he said, and he came to the front, came down the aisle where I was standing, and I reached out my hand, I said, hey, I'm glad you came down. I said, my name's John, what's your name? He said, my name's Tony. I said, well, Tony, what's your decision today? And he said, I need to get saved. I want to become a Christian. And so we just prayed right there. And 
Tony asked the Lord to come into his heart. We got finished with that prayer. I said, Tony, how old are you? I believe he said he was 36 or 37 years old. And, and I said, how, how many times have you been to First Baptist? He said, it's only, only my third time to come. And, and he said, I just feel in my heart that today was my day. I'm so glad I got saved. Well, anyway, another one of our uh, ministers here at the church or one of our church members took Tony to the decision room, prayed with him, gave him some literature. And I went back up on the platform. I was going to dismiss the service. And I just felt in my heart, I just felt like it was like God said, have the people sing 30 more seconds. Don't end it out yet. Don't don't close the invitation. And so I just said to the congregation, I said, folks, I can't tell if it's me or God. I think it's God, but we're going to just sing 30 more seconds. Somebody might need to come and, and get something settled with God, make sure they're saved. And so we just sang 30 more seconds. At the end of those 30 seconds, a lady came walking from that same upper level. She came to the front. I went down. She, I took my hand out. I, I said, my name's John. What, what's your name? She said, my name's Crystal. She said, I'm Tony's wife. And I'm so glad you extended this invitation because I need to get saved too. And Crystal prayed that morning. She asked Jesus Christ. Come I thought husband and wife both got saved. And I tell that story to say, in your world out there today, there's somebody who needs Jesus. I encourage you, share Christ with them and see what God might do.